and you think, I want to get a million listeners in three months, that, that is not really in the realm of possibility. But if you've never recorded your voice and you think, you know, I just want to see if I can do this for 10 episodes and be somewhat compelling to 10 people, that is a lot more attainable. And it's still a giant leap forward for you as a person, right? Podcast Junkies, episode 186. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran, host of a podcast about podcasting, where I talk to podcasters about all things podcast-related. It's super meta. Yes, thank you for joining us. If this is your first show, then welcome aboard. And if you've been here for the longest time, welcome back. In case you missed last week's episode, we had a great conversation with Stephen Hart, host of Trailblazer.fm. Steve and I have been connecting back and forth at conferences, uh, and we got to chat and spend some time at MapCon, Joe Pardo's event, and that was the impetus for me to get him on the show. Got good feedback on social from his episode, so check that out if you haven't already, episode 185. This week, I have the pleasure of having a long conversation with Justin Jackson, and I was debating whether to break this up over two episodes. It's past an hour and a half. So this is something I haven't done in a while. I think the last time I had an episode this long was with my old friend, uh, Chris Cerrone. And that was, I think, episode nine. So let me know what you think about it. Let me know what you think of the format. I'm always inspired by the likes of Joe Rogan, uh, long form conversations. And this was just a a really good one. I was so impressed with uh, Justin's Build Your SaaS podcast that I actually binged the whole series. It was about 35 episodes. And that was um, a nice starting point for having our conversation. We talk about uh, how he actually had met earlier and I just um, didn't realize that he was at New Media Expo. I've talked about it on this show plenty of times, but in 2014, he was there at that panel um, where uh, I met Chase Reeves, who was actually guest number one. So they actually know each other. And we, talk, we talk a little bit about that. Um, we talk about how his work has shifted to focus on podcasting specifically for brands and how he broke into the podcasting industry. We talk about his partner, John Buddha, and the power of asking yourself, what do you want? We talk about the conversation that uh, sticks out from his work with marketing for product people, his other podcast, and about his project Mega Mega Maker. And um, it's interesting because Justin doesn't believe that everyone can be a podcaster, so we touch a little bit upon that and the importance that Justin placed on having a podcast in conjunction with uh, launching Transistor.fm. So I've been really passionate about their story, and I've been really passionate about the platform, so I'm going to give it a, a test run. Um, and see how it compares to what I'm currently using. So there's a lot of room to still grow in the podcast industry, according to Justin, and and why the low barrier to entry podcasting is sometimes a good thing. So again, let's get into it. Um, I'm really excited about this. As many of you know, I take pride in trying to have the best quality audio available, even though I could be traveling sometimes. So I've been known to experiment with a bunch of different mics, depending on where I am. I always try to make it a point to pack my Focusrite Scarlet 2i2 and their sponsors of the show this week. Focusrite has been generous enough to sponsor Podcast Junkies and I can't say enough of good things about the company. And to be honest, I've had this Focusrite 2i2, the Scarlet, otherwise known as the Little Red Box, for several years now. 
why I love it is because it's got this front interface that allows you to plug in the two mics as XLR mics. And even if you've got a mic like the Shure SM7B that I was using previously, that's a little power hungry, you can use it with the Phantom Power. Uh, it works wonderfully with that. And I love the controls on the mic. I get to monitor my own audio by plugging my headphones straight into the headphone jack on the front of this, the Scarlett. And overall, it's just just adds that extra level of boost and richness to my sound. Extremely reliable, extremely sturdy, and it's one of my go-to recommendations when I'm working with clients and I'm having them do a brand new setup. If you haven't heard of it or haven't seen the specs, then head on over to podcastjunkies.com forward slash 2i2 and it'll be taken straight to the Amazon page and you can check the specs there. So nothing but good things to say about Focusrite. Happy to have them as sponsors of the show. Don't forget to stay to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. But for now, let's get into this conversation with Justin. So Justin Jackson, host of Build Your SaaS and Product People, thank you so much for showing up on Podcast Junkies. Yeah, thanks for thanks for being here. And thanks for giving me some <laughs> some microphone technique lessons before, <laughs> before yeah. we hit record. So for, for the benefit of the listener, we Justin's on the ATR2100. I'm currently on the Samsung Q2U and... Uh, we're talking mic technique and the fact that they're pretty identical mics. And I think Samson's doing a good job of packaging it because it includes everything you need. Little, It's just the little things that a beginning podcaster doesn't have to think about. They're not thinking about a foam filter. They're not thinking about position, right? Yeah. And then I know you guys talked about, um, we'll get into transistor in a bit, but you guys talk about how to get more people acclimated to podcasting and doing it the right way. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm always fascinated by patterns that you know, you notice out, like if you observe people, hmm. what patterns come up over and over again. And I'm, I'm always really interested in, you know, what kind of anxiety do people have when they start a podcast? What kind of yeah. questions do they have? What are the things that the manufacturers in this case aren't thinking about? And if you Google Yeti mic placement, and then you go to image search, you get this image of uh, a Yeti sitting at a table. And then, you know, that old blue Yeti mic that everyone used to get. Well, apparently a lot of people were pointing it right at their face, similar to how you would with a dynamic microphone. Yeah. But that's not the way the microphone works, right? And uh, it, it's just interesting to me that there's, there's, you know, manufacturers of mics. There's, in our case, we do podcast hosting. But there's all these anxieties people have or problems they have yeah. as soon as they open up the box. Like the first question I have about a microphone is, where, <laughs> where yeah. do I put it in relation to my face? And what's the best way, you know, what, how do I get a sound? <laughs> how do I sound like Ira Glass? Of course, you're never going to be able to get there. But even that tip that you gave me, I'm going to listen to this after. Maybe, maybe you, maybe, maybe you aren't correct. But that tip you gave me about a way to reduce, you know, the way my peas pop. Yeah, plosives. That's that. That's uh, sorry. What do you call that? Plosives. Plosives. Yeah, they're called plosives. Okay, that's gold. I. That's the stuff I want to know. And I've been podcasting since 2012, and so. You know, if someone like me that's been doing it a long time is still learning. Now, granted, I've never been a big gearhead, but, you know, that's interesting. And yeah. I think uh, podcasting has lots of things like that. Lots of 
anxiety inducing situations. Yeah. Right. Like what bit rate do I use? How do I save my files? Oh my gosh. Like what microphone do I get? Do I need a, and it, it um, I don't like the sound of my voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't like the sound of my voice is a really common yeah. one. Yeah. Did you have that when you started? I think everybody does. It's so funny because the more you're in it, the more you see podcasters who are just getting started. Like they have like the same exact questions, like imposter syndrome. Like I'm so I started a podcast about podcasting, and there was already like half a dozen out there. There's like uh, Daniel J. Lewis, Audacity Podcast, yeah. Dave Jackson School of Podcasting, Ray Ortega Podcasters Roundtable, The Wolf Den stuff. It was just like so much stuff, and I was like, uh, like who am I? But um, mm -hmm. you'll appreciate this founder story because I know you're friends with him. Chase Reeves, right? Yeah. I saw. I went to New Media Expo in 2014. He was there talking about podcasting. The session was yeah. called How the Sausage is Made, like, uh, which is funny. And yeah. I was into like electronic music. And I was trying to build a mobile app at the time called Know Your DJ. So that's that's my interest in mobile apps. And that's how I got to... to um... No, I was there. I was on that panel with Mike Vardy <laughs> and Chase Reeves. In 2014? Yeah. Oh <laughs> Apparently, I wasn't that memorable. <laughs> That's hilarious. But I was so focused because I knew Chase from Fizzle, right? And the Fizzle show. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had been to the first couple of the first podcast movement. So we yeah. basically yeah. chatted for a bit. And, and, I, and I asked him some questions. The app never took off. I went to the conference because I was going to start a podcast for DJs to interview DJs okay. to help promote the app. And then I realized yeah. how hard it was going to be to get in contact with these globe trotting DJs. And I'm like, look at the, all these podcasters here. I love podcasts. And then I went back home. The, the domain miraculously was available, Podcast Junkies. And then, yeah. I, and then I, I was emailing uh, Chase because I'd asked him a question about, um, he loves like above and beyond. And so <laughs> we were talking mm -hmm. like electronic music for a bit. And I said, hey, I'm going to start this show and it's called Podcast Junkies and I'm going to interview podcasters. Would you like to be my first guest? And he said, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So he's been the first one. And then interestingly enough, when I got to, I was getting close to 100, you know, I was like, hey, why don't you come on for 100 just to talk, you know? And he came on and now we made a deal like every 100 episodes of Podcast Junkies, uh. we're just going to talk. And as he's going to come on, I don't even care if he has a podcast at that point, but I'm, I'm at 184. So we're getting close to another round. He's good. He will always have a podcast. I think <laughs> that there's certain folks that they can't live without one, yeah. you know? Yeah. Oh, that's super cool to hear that. How do you know Chase? Yeah, I know Chase well. And actually, that was the first time we, we met in person. Okay. He'd, we'd known each other on the internet, and he begged me to come and be on that panel with him. And um, that's when I met Mike Vardy and a bunch of other folks. Uh, and <laughs> funny enough, I have not been back to... Does New Media Expo even exist anymore? And that was a couple more years, and then they folded. And I've never been to a podcast movement yet either. And so that's on my to-do list is I want to, yeah. I'll, especially now with Transistor, maybe we could get into this in a little bit. But yeah. <laughs> I think we will. There's different schools of podcasting. There's different, uh, there's different countries. There's different, not countries. I mean, metaphorically, there's different yeah. groups. Yeah. And feels a bit like high school sometimes. <laughs> it feels a little bit like high school. Yeah. And I mean, in some sense, it's it's great. But one of the challenges for Transistor early on is I really wanted us to focus on some sort of niche. 
I didn't want to just say this is a podcast hosting platform for all podcasters. Um, mm -hmm. For example, I knew we probably weren't going to be for hobby podcasts. We we have the the most expensive starter plan I think in the industry right now, and we still have folks who are starting a hobby podcast signing up. Mm. But uh, yeah, so figuring that out, who is this for and what is it for has been kind of one of the challenges of starting it. And I knew what kind of shows I liked to make and I knew what kind of shows I liked to listen to, but I didn't, you know, not all the shows I like to make and not all the shows I like to listen to make great customers. And so, yeah, we were, we've been debating that from the beginning. And I think that the biggest tension right now is, you know, we have folks on the platform that have, um, that are kind of internet personalities, you know, and they've got their show, even in some sense, like Cards Against Humanity was our first yeah. customer and they have a huge following, but very kind of artsy and cultural and, uh, you know, liberal. And the show is a show, you know, not really about business or anything else. It's there. They have a good news podcast where it's every day they have five minutes of good news you know, we've had to think, do we want more of those customers? How many of there are there? Yeah. You know, and what we've settled on for now is that we're podcasting for brands, for businesses. Uh, so that might be personal brands. That might mean, you know, uh, a solo founder that wants to start a show. That might mean a lawyer that has a law firm that wants to start a show. That might mean, you know, a bigger brand like Cards Against Humanity that want to have their own branded podcast. You know, there's there's lots of groups in podcasting. Yeah, and you can't be all things to everyone. So just for the benefit of the listener, what you're talking about is Transistor.fm. It's um, a relatively new player on the podcast hosting space. Yeah. And I heard about you because a couple of people were recommending you as some of the newer platforms to check out. And then when I saw it was you, because I, I knew about you from product people, I was I got even more interested. Yeah. And then like any podcaster, there was a crazy Venn diagram of like love of SaaS, love of podcasting, <laughs> like podcast junkies. And then I, I, I saw the podcast and I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to binge this. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. And I listened at, on the Overcast and I listened at like one and a half, two X. Yeah. And I just like started going at it. I was getting through like three or four episodes a, a day walking the dog and oh, i was wow. like i would do i would do one trip around the block and i would get at least one or two episodes in so oh man you're, but, you're gonna make yourself sick you're gonna make yourself sick on of me so so that's build your sass and before that um you started product people so yeah we'll get into all of that stuff but can can do you remember uh, or can you tell the story of like your first uh podcast or or what your entry was into this world sure yeah so in 2012 I was a product manager for a software company in Edmonton, Alberta. And I had, you know, there's a, a bit of a tech scene there. Uh, BioWare has their headquarters there. And so there's kind of this little scene. And I was interested in meeting other product managers. And so uh, I met my friend Kyle Fox. And we would go for beers. And then I moved to British Columbia so I could be closer to the mountains. And when I moved, he said, you know, it'd be great to still keep in touch, but what if we started a podcast for, originally we thought it would be for 
product managers. Mm-hmm. But the more we thought about it, and we, we came up with the name product people. But the more we thought about it, the people we wanted to interview were product people, but they were founders, you know, uh, independent founders, mostly people that had, you know, the folks that founded Basecamp, the folks that, you know, founded ConvertKit. We wanted to talk to those people. Mm-hmm. And so we made this list, this wish list of all these guests that we would want to talk to. And we, I just started contacting them. Uh, I, had a, I had a trick early on where, I, you know, our first 10 episodes or something was just Kyle and I talking. Yeah. And at first we just used, you know, Apple headphones. And then we kind of gradually got better mics and stuff. Figured out everything just the way everyone else does, you know, how we're going to record each other's audio. We lost tons of episodes to technical malfunction. And then we started to attract a little bit of an audience, not a ton, but you know, maybe a hundred downloads per episode or something. And we also had an email list and the email list probably had about a hundred people on it too. And so I was thinking like, how am I going to get some of these guests? Because we were, nobody knew who we were. And I thought, I wonder, I wonder if I sent out a survey to our email list, just saying here, you know, here's like 10 people who would you most like to see on our show? And so people voted and then what I did is I took a screenshot of the results and I started sending that to these potential guests saying, you're one of the people that my audience wants to hear from the most. And, you know, they didn't know we only had a couple hundred people, but they were, <laughs> you know, that feels good when you know that there's an audience that wants to hear from you. And so, you know, they agreed to yeah. come on the show and, you know, that's how we started interviewing people was that way. And eventually Kyle, you know, got busy and left, but I just soldiered on for quite a while and, you know, was producing episodes every week. And then I said, okay, I'm going to go do some other stuff. And I didn't kill the feed. I said, you know, I'm going to keep this feed open. And anytime I run into some of these interesting people, because uh, a lot of the folks we interviewed became my friends. And so, you know, if we're chatting on Slack or something or chatting in a Twitter DM, sometimes I'd be like, man, this conversation is so good. Let's just jump on a call. And I, we jump on a call and record it. And yeah, it's great. We're, we're still, we still haven't hit a hundred episodes with product people, but I think it's going to happen. I've got, you know, a bunch of episodes in the, in the can that I just need to edit. Yeah. So that's the story behind how I got kind of got into it. A lot of interesting things there, this idea of manufacturing, like that interest and or to just, you know, mm-hmm. work with what you have and be being creative to get those guests on the show. I think that's what we talked earlier about the things that podcasters freak out about. And that's one of the things too, like how are we going to, am I mm-hmm. going to get these people? You know, we go through imposter syndrome, who's going to want to come on my show. So I'm wondering like that sort of out of the box thinking, is that something you picked up in your years doing like product design or? probably i mean yeah you're always trying to creatively solve problems especially marketing you know product management was my first originally my first big career in tech and then i just got more and more interested in the marketing side and marketing is 
just creatively thinking about how you can reach people with a specific message and mm. leveraging, you know, what you have. And so, yeah, I think there's a, a little bit of that. And <laughs> I mean, we, it wasn't like that product people itself was never a super popular show, but what it did is it attracted this group of founders that wanted to hear their friends, you know, they, they wanted to hear. Yeah. And so in terms of building a network, it was amazing. Uh, and yeah, I, I think if it wasn't for that show, I would definitely not know the people I know. And I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at right now. It's also the reason I met John Buddha, my partner in Transistor, because mm -hmm. we were at XOXO and he uh, had already dabbled in, you know, podcasting and podcasting tech. And it became a thing for us to talk about. Oh, hey, I've got a show called Product People. And, you know, we stayed in touch all those years. And so when it came time to, you know, I knew he was thinking about building something for Cards Against Humanity. And I said, well, what if we partnered up on this and really, you know, tried to make it not a big deal, but, you know, let's, let's try <laughs> to do this, you know, together. Yeah. I think it's so interesting because it's a lot of parallels because like, like we mentioned, I think it might've been the, in the, in the pre-talk or when we started that I do video for these conversations. And you can imagine having an hour long conversation with someone face to face mm -hmm. completely changes the dynamic. Um, and when you see them at a podcasting conference, I'm like, oh, they're like, hey, Harry, like, hey, Justin. And it's, I mean, there's a bit of bit more of a, a friendship and a connection. Yeah. And you allude, alluded to it too. Like you wouldn't have some of the connections you have now or friends you have now if it wasn't for the podcast. Yeah. And it's one of like the most important ways to build your network in a niche. You know, and the fact that it was more niche is even better because it's like it became known as the go-to place or the go-to podcast within like folks who are doing SaaS and, and startup founders. It's like, we want to hear what our peers are doing or if we're going to dabble in the space, we want to hear what others are doing. And and it's so fascinating because I, I, I like this idea of like a super, super niche crowd mm -hmm. it's like this is not for everyone this is for us like the kevin kelly thousand fans yeah. you know <laughs> you know and it's just for those people mm -hmm. and and building that that idea, idea of building your network and and now like you say you just still have it it, it never goes away and, it, and it's like this opportunity for you like oh i see a founder i want to talk to i have this podcast mm -hmm. you know that i can pull out and so you know we make the rules i always tell people look it's your show you make the rules yeah. and it's up, up to everyone else and the listeners to decide if they they like them and they're going to totally. follow them. Yeah. And asking what you want is such a powerful question because at the beginning, what did we want? Well, we wanted to have a chat every week because we liked each other. Mm -hmm. We wanted to have an opportunity to speak to the most interesting people in our yeah. world. And at the beginning, like now to me, that seems totally attainable. Like yeah. if I want to speak to this person, it, it doesn't even feel like a, an obstacle. But back then I just remember thinking, why would they ever want to talk to me? Why, <laughs> why, you know, what am I doing? I don't even know how, I don't even know proper microphone technique. I don't know <laughs> how to record this. There's all yeah. sorts of reasons that I thought, you know, maybe I wouldn't like, why would they want to speak to me? But by, 
you know, this is what I want. I want to be able to connect with these people. And so by articulating that, you know, and then once we reached that stage, it was like, okay, well, now we want to get a sponsor. Now we want to, you know, it, it kept kind of growing what we wanted, but being able to articulate, this is what I want is so powerful. And I think maybe along with that, choosing something when you when you're deciding what you want choosing something that is with attainable at least it's at least in the realm of possibility mm -hmm. if you've never recorded your voice and you think i want to get a million listeners in 3 months that that is not really in the realm of possibility but if you've never recorded your voice and you think, you know, I just want to see if I can do this for 10 episodes and be somewhat compelling to 10 people, that is yeah. a lot more attainable. And it's still a giant leap forward for you as a person, right? Yeah. What's interesting is this idea of having this platform because... You know, if you're like when you start building a business and people want to talk to you and they're like, hey, can I pick your brain? Everyone knows that's you know, that's code for can I get some free consulting? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but and so like people are hip, they, they know about this. And so like if you were to ask someone who you admire, like, hey, can we grab some coffee? Like they know exactly what you yeah. want. But if you tell them, hey, I've got a show where I'm interviewing some of the, the best and smartest founders, like who are creating the hottest products. Mm -hmm. And I and I really love your story. Would you like to come on my show for an hour? You know, magically the hour now opens up. That's right. Just like, yeah, sure. That's right. <laughs> you know, I didn't have I didn't have minutes for you but i have an hour i was at a barbecue and i was telling a friend he's trying to get a job and he's an engineer i was like of course everything for me is a podcast mm -hmm. um you should start a podcast called rockstar engineers and then just interview the 10 best people in your in your industry yeah. <laughs> like who would who wouldn't want to come on that podcast and then when he's you know when he's looking for a job he'll be like oh by the way i'm looking for a job totally. i heard there was a guy who had a son a, a son or a daughter who started a podcast interviewing guidance counselors um, or admissions counselors at colleges and while they were in high school. Oh, <laughs> so, so smart. Imagine that. Yeah, so smart. So there's so many different ways to engineer yeah. it. But do any of the, the conversations from product people stand out for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's tons. Because you got some of the, you had conversations with folks before, you know, as they were building their stuff and even like, you know, prior to some yeah. of the stuff like really taking I mean, off. I think Nathan Berry was an interesting yeah. conversation because we met him kind of when he was just beginning to be in the public sphere. And so we got mm -hmm. to see him build, you know, at first be an author and release a bunch of books and courses. And then he kind of became the template for self-publishing, you know, your own work. Mm -hmm. And then we got to see him transition to ConvertKit and then struggle with ConvertKit and then ultimately work through those struggles and succeed. I think there's probably like yeah. four, five, six episodes just with me talking to Nathan. So yeah, I think those are great. Yeah, I, there's there's so many conversations. There's probably some in the in the backlog that I haven't even thought about in a while that I would you know, if I were to hear them again, I'd be like, oh yeah, that was so good. Uh, my conversations with Rob Walling are, th there's a few of these episodes that I will continually go back to and clip for other things. 
Yeah, I heard you, you, you're doing that on Build Your Size. Yeah, so if there's ever something that I remember, you know, in the filing cabinet, that's my brain, I go, oh, yeah, there's, I talked to Rob about this, and he had this one thing that he said, I'll go back and I'll grab it. And that one conversation with Rob, I go back to that all the time. It's like there's these yeah. these clips from that conversation that are so interesting. Do you want to tell the, for the listener to let folks know a little bit about who Rob Walling is? Yeah, so he's the founder of Drip, uh, which was acquired by Lead Pages. He he's the co-creator of MicroConf, which is the biggest conference for self-funded uh, entrepreneurs in the world. And he had other products before that, but he really, I think more than anybody, he pioneered this idea of the stair-step approach, which is, you know, you you build something on the side and you give yourself a little bit of leverage and then you mm-hmm. stair-step up to the next stage and the next stage. So like one of his first businesses was an e-commerce site called justbeachtowels.com. Uh, and his whole story is so interesting and I just also resonated with his philosophy of life, which is he always tries to prioritize three things, relationships, purpose, and freedom. Hmm. And I just, I, I really identify with him. So there's tons of people that I continue to, in the back channels of the internet, you know, <laughs> uh, ask for advice. And Rob is one of those people too. Not to be confused with the dark web. Yeah, yeah, not to be confused with the dark web. Yeah, the the back channels of the internet are kind of, um, I I mean, like Slack groups and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know these private messaging apps. It doesn't get talked about a lot, but I think actually we've moved from public sphere internet where a lot of the relationships were being built and then grown in public. So mm-hmm. when Twitter was small, you know, a lot of people in my space were on there and we just treated it like our own private chat room. It was public, yeah. but we were, yeah. you know, all in the commons together. But now that has all transitioned to private Slack groups, private Telegram groups, private, you know, DMs, uh, walkie talkie apps. Like mm-hmm. that's where the conversation is happening. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I think that part is interesting too, just in terms of anything like that's, that's where people are talking. And so what you see in public now is not nearly as compelling as it was because a lot of that is going into, you know, these, these smaller, more private areas. Yeah. It's funny. It's like, um, I listen to Gary V a lot and he talks about how Facebook is now for your parents. Like no kid, no cool kid is going to go. <laughs> they, yeah. They're all on Instagram and, or, you know, if Snapchat is still a thing, but yeah, they're just finding these new channels that they don't want to be on the same channel that their parent is on. Yeah, exactly. The challenge now is that there are certain ways that you you know you'll start to message a person on one platform, but you might only use that platform to message that one person. Yeah. So now we've got lots of lots of platforms, but the uh, I, in some ways it's powerful because if you do get this, you know, like if you interviewed somebody and it was a really good experience, uh, I mean, you, you gotta be careful about this. Obviously you can't, it's not like you can interview somebody and then you, you, you automatically have permission to 
private gotta let them know they're being recorded yeah what's powerful about this is once you have the kind of relationship with people where you do message them that is um kind of we've never had a time in the world where that was possible where you can message someone privately who you know might be way more experienced than you who might have way mm -hmm. more connections than you who you know uh might have just a lot of experience that they can help you figure out the challenges you're facing that's pretty cool yeah uh, totally and um part of me misses the old twitter where it felt like so much more was out in the open mm -hmm. but yeah things have just changed it's just uh, a different different time uh telegram telegram yeah yeah so i i got connected with uh, a bunch of people in the laravel community which is a php programming framework they all use telegram that's mm. how i chat with them and you know that's how we connect yeah and then i have have you heard, have you heard of doc doc.io yeah see i haven't heard of that one i think there, it's, a, it's something about trying to aggregate the social channels i played with it and there's so many to test it's like a, a little bit overwhelming sometimes I'm like is this going to be hot for like two weeks <laughs> yeah yeah nowadays i only use the channels where i have meaningful relationships yeah so like one thing is i have what's the video game chatting thing that's like slack i'll think of it it starts with a d but i keep wanting to say discourse but oh yeah it's no i know what you're talking about um <laughs> this really doesn't make good radio when people are trying to remember uh yeah. <laughs> remember names but anyway i I can't think of it because I don't use it very often. And it's because I just haven't formed any meaningful. It's what the folks on Twitch use, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I think it's, it was acquired by them. Yeah. That piece is interesting to me. And I also think a lot of the communities now are private. So, yeah. Out of the product people podcast came uh, this private community I run called Mega Maker. And, that started in 2013 and it's a place where kind of the mega fans from product people initially but then you know people who are following my writing or people who are just looking for like-minded people yeah started to congregate and uh you know over the years i think we're up to 384 members or something like that and it's a paid community i see a lot more of that too where there's a you have to pay to get in. So there's mm -hmm. a, a bar you have to, there's a threshold you have to pass. And not surprisingly, it, it seems to attract a kind of really high quality participation when you have to pay to get in. Of course, totally. And so I'm seeing way more of that, way more, not just private like back channels, but private communities that aren't open to trolls on the internet that aren't open to just anybody, but the the conversation and then the community that kind of grows out of that seems to be, you know, just a lot better. Yeah. And I think podcasters, that's going to be increasingly kind of one of the things they can leverage to maybe make a living or, you know, well, yeah, definitely make a living. I think that the community idea is going to be one of the channels that gets more and more leverage. Yeah. And the ability as a podcaster to engage with their audience as well. I know you and John have 
talked a little bit about some of the types of functionality for transistor, but it's interesting because we're as podcasters, we're like we we're we're like in the desert looking for the oasis of like feedback. <laughs> I'm just like, is anyone talking about my show? Does mm-hmm. anyone like it? Did anyone listen to it? Like, yeah. you know, and so every time, so I go to a conference, I wear a bright yellow podcast chunky shirt. So people see it. They're like, oh, I love the show. And I'm like, when did you start listening? Like, how long have you been a listener? Yeah, like, give me anything. Just, uh, yeah, Come on, tell me. I know you mentioned Breaker, like folks are responding on Breaker too to the show. So, yeah, you know, th- there's so many apps to keep up, but it's nice to have that, that, that engagement with your audience. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably still the piece that's a little bit broken. Yeah. Although I think if you're resonating, you do hear about it. On one hand, even uh, I was just listening to Alex Bloomberg interviewing Ira Glass. Um, what is Alex's new show? I think it's called Masters of Scale. No, that's a Reed, Reed Hoffman's show. Oh, that's Reed uh, Hoffman's show. Okay. Yeah, I love that show. It's okay, <laughs> so Alex. good. So don't listen. To, well, go ahead and listen to that one. But <laughs> I'll find the one that I'm talking about. Not startup, right? No, without fail is is what it's called. Oh, without fail. Okay. Without fail. Yeah. Uh, his episode with Ira Glass, and you know Ira has been doing this forever. He, in some ways, invented the genre, mm-hmm. and he even he feels like he doesn't get enough feedback when the show goes out. <laughs> he yeah. he he said one of the nice things about live podcasts is you get instant feedback from the audience. You know if it's resonating or not. You know, typically a podcast goes out and you might not hear anything and you go, oh. So if it's happening to him, yeah, it's true. It's probably happening to lots of folks. But <laughs> I think, you know, like John and I have a show and we have in Transistor, we we estimate how many subscribers we think yeah. your show has. And I think we have an estimated 1,300 subscribers. So 1,300 regular listeners. Not huge by any means. But we know that they're engaged because we hear from them all the time. They'll use our yeah. little chat widget on our, like our customer support widget to contact us. They will email us. They will DM me on Twitter. They will <laughs> at reply us on Twitter. They find a way. Yeah. And so I think if we were doing the show and I wasn't getting any of that, I would be a bit concerned. It's almost kind of, you, you have both. Yeah. There's probably way more people listening and enjoying than you think. Yeah. But, you know, if you're inviting people to respond and you're not hearing anything, <laughs> uh, that, that something is... something to be said about the content too. The content has to be compelling enough or... That's concerning. Yes. Not... Controversial enough or, or just strike a chord with them. Because I know you, you talk about a lot of topics on the show yeah. and you're like, if you what do you guys think of this topic? And you invite people to, to chat about it. It has to be compelling. Yeah. That's really the bar that's difficult. To be honest, it's one of the things that makes me scared about running a podcast hosting company is because, yes, anybody can buy a microphone on Amazon for $60. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, we're trying to make it easier for folks to get hosting, to upload their MP3s, to understand that you don't just upload your show to Apple. You know, We're putting in all this work that's good work. It's worth doing. But if you are not interesting or compelling or your content isn't surprising or engaging, nothing's yeah. going to help. Yeah. And some of that comes with time. But like if we backed up even more. So I said, okay, I started podcasting in 2012. The truth is, I mean, I've loved 
radio my whole life. Mm. I grew up in Canada. We have CBC, which is our public radio. And I'd been listening to, you know, talk radio since I was a kid. Yeah. And aspirationally, you know, I can remember being a kid and wishing I was a host on that show or wishing I could join the conversation. You know, when I got my driver's license at 16, sometimes I would be listening to the radio and I'm driving by myself and I would turn it off and then pretend I was in the conversation, pretend I was the host or the guest. So I've been practicing these things for a long time. You were meant to be a podcaster. <laughs> I was maybe meant to be a podcaster. And again, I'm not perfect. I know there's lots of ways I can improve. But this is why I'm, I don't think everybody can be a podcaster. Mm -hmm. in, in the sense that I think it's, it's within the realm of possibility that everybody could do it. But these things don't happen overnight. Yeah. And so if, if you just don't like if you don't like podcasts if you've never played the role of oh i really want to enter into this conversation and if you've never tested it out like you've never been you know pretending you were on a podcast or even being on a a panel at a meetup or yeah. something like you need public something speaking, something public yeah. speaking doing a presentation in class doing a presentation for your team at work doing a, a live stream, if you've never done any of that, it, it just, it's not going to happen overnight. So sometimes I almost want to, I wish I could ask folks before they start, like, if this would be terrible for, <laughs> for transistors conversion, uh, you know, trial to paid conversion. But I, if I could say, what evidence can you provide me that you're going to be somewhat interesting on a microphone? Yeah. And I'm not trying to be pompous about that. I'm trying to be realistic. You know, Ira Glass is arguably, you know, he has one of the best voices in podcast podcasting. He understands the pacing. He understands timing. He understands editing and storytelling. And he's been doing this ever since he was a kid. Mm -mm. It didn't happen overnight. He practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced. Now, we don't have to be Ira Glass. The problem is a lot of people now try to be. <laughs> well, and that, that's, a, that's a problem too. But at least they're trying to emulate the best, yeah. you know, because you could learn so much. Just if you, if you just, folks, like stop listening to us right now and go listen to any episode of This American Life. Or at least listen to the end of the episode and then you oh, can. Oh, okay. You can, I'm just joking. <laughs> hey, where are you going? No, stay here. <laughs> This American Life is like a super long show. Just listen here. But yeah, yeah. listen to the pacing. Go and listen to, you know, a Howard Stern episode and listen to all of the things that he does intuitively mm -hmm. that he's developed over years and years and years. And if you can find it, go back to his first show and see how much he's improved. Become a student of the craft. Become a student of the craft. But it's not going to happen overnight. No. And it's not going to happen just from reading books. You do have to practice it. But I'm just saying the bar has to at least be high enough to say, be interesting. Yeah. Have something, something compelling. One of the fun things about starting the show with John Buddha is he'd never been on a podcast before. And 
it did take some practice for him to start finding his voice. And the fact that we did one episode a week for whatever it is, 38 weeks now, after 38 weeks, he's a lot better. Yeah. He's more relaxed. He's more relaxed. Uh, He's got a great voice for podcasting. He does. In the beginning, we had challenges. You know, I was worried he wouldn't be entertaining enough. So I spoke too much. And you got that feedback. Yeah, I got that feedback. You got to You got to roll it back, Justin. Have more pauses. Let him interject. Yeah. But at the, <laughs> I know, and again, it's not pompous, but I know if I'm at a party, I love to entertain people. I've been doing that my whole life. I have lots of experience being somewhat compelling with my voice. I've given lots of public talks. I, I just have lots of practice. And so I know I have it in me to be entertaining in some way. Yeah. And Again, I, I, I probably have lots to learn. And again, I'm not nearly where I should be. But that's a concern I have. Because there's one message, which is, you know, let's democratize podcasting. What podcasting needs is democratization. And I'm kind of like, ah, I don't think we need more crappy podcasts of yeah. people driving in their cars, speaking <laughs> into their headphones. Unless it's amazing. The sound quality can be garbage. But if, if it's compelling, if you're telling a story mm-hmm. and you have me hanging on every sentence, like every sentence you give, I'm just like, what's going to happen next? Exactly. If you can do that, then go for it. But you know what I mean? I don't, I, I think there has to be some sort of bar to be interesting. Yeah. And especially if you're going to start a branded podcast, especially if you're going to start a podcast, you know, where uh, it's, it's, it's for your business or on behalf of your business, those have to be really creative and really interesting. And uh, you know, you're, you're going to have to work at it. We talk a lot in our community about the idea of pod fading. Have you heard that? Is that where you start off strong and then you don't yeah, so essentially, yeah, essentially, if uh, when you can't make it past episode seven, you've pod faded. Like typically, mm-hmm. like like that's the number. Like most people, like because they get excited, and they get overwhelmed by having to be, you know, have some sort of routine. So you're you're recording this on a regular basis. You know, mm-hmm. tracking tracking people down to be on the show, getting the gear set up, publishing it, promoting it. People are like, well, this is a lot of work. Yes, and, and I think you have to appreciate that, or you, you're going to pod fade, and you're, you're not going to be in it for the long haul. And yes. that's something you guys are probably concerned of, about as well. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I don't want to call out a competitor because I, I, I definitely, I, I don't take their, their presence lightly. Yeah. But Anchor, they have made it really easy to start a podcast. And again, I'm not, I'm not counting them out. Uh, it's not like I'm thinking they're not a threat to my business. But if you look at Daniel J. Lewis's Analysis, article. yeah, which you can find for your show notes. Yeah, we'll <laughs> folks, show notes. <laughs> folks, check out the show notes. Uh, you know, most podcasts on Anchor don't make it past the seventh episode or something. Mm-hmm. So even when you remove all of the obstacles, even then, you, you're not even finding a guest. You're not even needing to get a microphone. Yeah. You're not even needing to pay for hosting. Even then, most of those shows don't make it past seven episodes. Mm-hmm. And by the way, not all podcasts need to make it past seven episodes. I, I would I wish more shows, like good shows, 
stopped yeah or had a season and you know they don't have to be this thing that goes forever but there's clearly something there like it's not enough to just make it easier and in the same way that youtube has kind of shaken out you know most of us watch the especially if it's for entertainment i'm not talking about you know how to fix your your dishwasher <laughs> uh which we're never really going to get with podcasting i don't think not the same kind of yeah there's two reasons I people maybe track, track down the plumbing or the handyman podcast yeah, yeah. there's two people there's two reasons people use youtube one they want to know how to do something yeah. or two they want to be entertained on the entertainment side it's the people that are compelling and interesting and unique that get the views that get the subscribers those are the people people want to follow They've learned how to tell a story. They've learned how to craft a narrative arc that keeps you engaged for eight minutes. And, you know, in podcasting, we've got 45 minutes or an hour to do that. Yeah, it's not it's not easy to do that. So, so knowing that it's not easy, you did decide to do another one with John when you when you had this when you started Transistor. So can you talk a little bit about the the timing on that? Because you started the, it pretty early on in the process. Mm -hmm. And so is that something you always knew that this is this is something that you wanted to document? Oh yeah. I mean we knew we'd have to have a show. Yeah. I guess if you're building up the tool for podcasting, you'd have to have a podcast. Yeah, we need we need a show. And I wanted John to know what it meant to be a podcaster i didn't want him to just be writing code yeah. and not experiencing it there's so much that's valuable in experiencing it just like right now we're, we're tired mm. and you know we missed a few episodes and you know we're supposed to have an episode today and we don't and that experiencing how hard it is to come up with something every week is really healthy for us yeah and so, and we were trying to also, you know, a big part of our business is saying to other businesses, we think this is good for your brand. Yeah. We think podcasting is, I don't think podcasting is the best way to grow uh, audience from scratch. There's exceptions, but I think podcasting is really great if you have an existing audience and you want to deepen your connection with that audience. And you want to grow that audience organically. So we had to prove the point, right? We had to say, we're going to eat our own dog food and, mm -hmm. and show this. And, you know, the show has been good for our business. The show does uh, attract customers. The show has given us all sorts of ways of telling people about Transistor. Uh, so I think we've proven the point, but it's also been good to... Uh, it's been good to document the process. Yeah. It's been good to have like, it, it's often the only time John and I speak every week. And so it's been good just for us to have a public, well, I mean, the public part doesn't really, it's good to just connect with them every week. Right. And I think it's good to, I, you know, I'd built up an audience over these, uh, you know, since 2012, I knew that they would be wanting to hear from me on what I was doing next. And so it was just kind of a next natural extension of this group of people that had been following my work for years. Okay, well, here's something new. Mm -hmm. You know, here's here's what I'm doing now. And yeah, that that's been I think it's been great. <laughs> I, I think I think the show will change, but 
I think, you know, we're always going to have some sort of way of speaking to our audience in this human way that is audio. What was interesting is that the show is called Build Your SaaS. It's not build the transistor.fm SaaS. And, mm -hmm. and I think it's like you have this now framework and you've talked about it with John, how you can just take the show and now you can tackle another product or even bring in some new hosts if you guys get tired because you've built up the framework. You've got people listening, sort of like what uh, Alex Startup Wilberg did. did with Startup, yeah. that same framework. Really yeah. interesting. That's actually a, a good idea. <laughs> I, didn't, I hadn't thought about that. Maybe we should bring in some other hosts and just get them to take the... You did touch on it, like you would cover something else, not just mm -hmm. always transistor. But I think mm -hmm. if you had that framework, I mean, I'm sure there's people be knocking on the door, your door, to like be like a, a host, a host or a co-host. Uh, yeah. Talk about. It's almost yeah. like you could have a contest and say, okay, we're gonna choose the new who's gonna do the new season of Build Your SaaS. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good idea. I like that. That'd be a lot of fun. And I, I think the key is we we were telling our story but we wanted other people to be able to see themselves in our story. Mm. So if it was just about us, I don't think people would listen. I think what's compelling about the show and our best episodes are when we share our experience, but we know it's something that's gonna resonate with other people who are trying to build something. Other people are trying to create something on the side, right? Let's talk a little bit about Transistor. And, and I, I have a feeling I, I have a ton of questions to ask you because I've been in this you know, world for like five years. But mm -hmm. what's interesting about your approach is that you and John are coming at it from people who like really haven't been, you know, you're wor wor working more with SaaS uh, in the SaaS world. And then in the mm -hmm. podcasting space, you know, as you might imagine, when you go to Podcast Movement and there's PodFest in, in Orlando mm -hmm. and there was new, new Media Expo for a while, I just came back from speaking at a conference in Australia called Weird Podcast. So there's this little like universe of podcasters and, you know, um, folks like Daniel J. Lewis and, you know, that they've been doing it for years as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, they, they're having all these conversations and there's something called the New Media Show with um, Todd uh, Todd Cochran, who's the CEO of Blueberry and, and Rob yeah. Greenlee, the, the, he he works at Spreaker, so mm -hmm. that's been that's an interesting show in terms of like what's happening in the industry. So yeah, but you, you're sort of new to that whole group of folks, and that's why like the high school example is kind of interesting. But yeah, what is it's been interesting to get your fresh take on on this like a fresh set of eyes because you know a lot of people are just having that those same conversations, and yeah. you go to these and you go to these conferences, and the Lipson booth is next to the Blueberry booth, which is next to the Podbean. Booth, yeah, which is next to the speaker booth, mm -hmm. which is next to the audio boom booth, and it's just crazy. Like, so they're all is like everyone's kind of playing along, but now I mean, you guys are new. Uh, Mark Aspeth's tool, um, Captivate, is also new as well. So, there's a couple of smaller players, obviously. Um, Simplecast is uh, mm -hmm. making waves as well. So, um, what's what's been the most interesting thing for you because to come out of the SaaS world and sort of entering like this, this bubble of what's happening in the podcasting space? I mean, I was somewhat familiar with those folks. Yeah. Um, and I have friends in the industry that have been helpful. You know, I've got some friends at Midroll and, mm -hmm. and some other things. I think from the beginning, I wanted to ask, who is this for and what is this for? To create a connection with a group of people that fit that description and wanted that thing. For years, I've given people the advice, you know, people would contact me and they would, a lot of, because I have a show called Product People, a lot of people pitch me their ideas. Yeah. 
And because they knew I was a podcaster, they would say, Hey, I have an idea for podcasters. And I would say, well, stop right there. I think podcasters are a terrible market. I don't think you should build anything for podcasters. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and, and I, please folks listen to the show. Don't, don't get angry. This is true. <laughs> no, I, we all know it. I'm the same we're, way. Podcasters I, are cheap. I, we're cheap. We like to DIY, you know, uh, we were talking before the, the call about my audio setup. I'm using this cheap $50 microphone, yeah. right? It's just plugged right into my computer. Now, some podcasters spend more on gear, but they are so in the DIY mindset. They want to, you know, they want to do everything themselves if they can. Mm -hmm. And I get it because I'm like that too. But I know that makers and podcasters and hobbyists, we don't make great customers. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, the, the reason when John told me he was thinking about Transistor, the, the thing that, not just the thing, the trend that I saw that I thought was interesting, and I don't know if it's, who knows if it's going to work, but the trend I saw was that brands were now starting to create yeah. their own shows. Yeah. And when I say brands, I'm, I do mean everyone from the influencer to, you know, Basecamp has a show and CodePen has a show. And then I saw all the stuff that Midroll was doing with Midroll Creative. And I thought, wow, that's crazy that these brands are buying, they're creating original content. And, and then I saw, you know, some of these uh, folks making enterprise plays, right? So there's Megaphone that has, is kind of going after the enterprise. And by enterprise, I mean, you know, bigger networks, radio, uh, radio networks and those kinds of things. And so in some ways, quite naively, I thought, you know, I know a lot of tech companies where the CEO loves podcasting mm -hmm. and I have a feeling if I said, you know, have you thought about starting a podcast? They would say, oh, yeah, I've, I've thought about that all the time. Yeah. Uh, well, how would you like to start a podcast for your business and have a really intimate way to earn your audience's trust? And so that's been the thesis from the beginning. Now, we have all sorts of shows. And under that banner, we've had to kind of stretch it, you know. Uh, like we have a great show called supercomputer.fm, which is um, Alex Cox, who is on tons of other podcasts. She's on a podcast called Do By Friday, I believe. And so she's kind of made a career out of podcasting. She's, you know, on a lot of tech shows. Uh, her and, oh, I, I can't say Matt's last name. It's Matt, Matt Casalini, Casanelli. But, you know, so they have a show and I, I imagine that, they're eventually going to make their money through Patreon or through ads. Yeah. But to me, that's still kind of under this umbrella of brands that are trying to, in this case, it's personal brands that are trying to use podcasting as a part of their, their career or their business. And that thread seemed really interesting to me. Also, the, the, when all of the, you know, we all talk about it all, that, that ad data that came out and we're seeing that you know the CPMs are still really high. Brands are still interested. It'd be nice if there was more variety in the brands, but you know the 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 PR around podcast ad 
advertising is quite good. It didn't seem like a big jump to say, well, why not just make your own original show instead of investing, you know, $100,000 in podcast advertising this year? Why not hire a host and pay them full time to make a show? So Rework, which is Basecamp show, Mm -hmm. they have basically two full-time people working on it, maybe one and a half, you know? That's a fair investment. Cards Against Humanity has two full-time people working on the Good News podcast. It just seemed like there was something there. And I'd seen from my own side how podcasting had been a benefit to me in growing an audience and making a living you know, I felt like, well, I've had this experience. I can see other people have had this experience. This seems worth doing. And so that's, that's still our angle that we're going after. And I mean, I've used a lot of those other tools, right? So I know what other tools have. And don't have. And don't have. Yeah. I'm aware of that. But in my mind, the only thing I care about now is we've got, I don't know, all, all of our metrics are open. Like if you go to bearmetrics.com slash open, you can see all of our numbers right now. I don't know if we're going to do this forever, but. Yeah. You talk, well, it's so funny. And it's, this is so interesting. This is why um, I, I binged the whole season. Cause it was just like that perfect mix of everything I was interested in at the time or mm-hmm. right now that's top of mind for me. But what's fascinating is you and John, you, you literally like talk through this process of like, who are we going to go after? And then you talk to Nathan Barry and you're like, well, Nathan says one thing. And then you talk to Patrick from profit. Well, and mm-hmm. he says something else. And you're just like, well, and, and it's almost like you can hear both of you like thinking through like, what do we want to do? Where's this going? And what type of features should we add? And what's the mm-hmm. roadmap going to look like? And should, what should we prioritize and should be watching what other people are doing or should we not? And do we care how many like customers Lipson has or not? And just, mm-hmm. it was, it's just been fascinating for, for me, for someone that's in the industry, and I think, you know, what you're saying, it, it feels like an aspect of the industry that's ripe for a little bit of disruption, mm-hmm. uh, because I think everyone just kind of knows who the basic players are. And if you go into a forum and you ask, you know, people will spout off the you know same three or four names in podcast hosting. But there's something that was is really powerful about hearing your story and like resonating with it. And as a podcaster, just really be like. I'm, I'm rooting for you guys now. Like I know, like you listen to 30, 40 episodes and you hear the story and you're just like, you know what? There's now, you know, I, for, uh, I think I've talked about this publicly a, a couple of times, but I'm, I'm actually formally advising Squadcast, having mm-hmm. met them. So I'm, I'm for, for the benefit of the listener. And this is the conversation I had with them. I said, guys, they need to know like who you are. Don't, mm-hmm. you cannot be a faceless entity. You need to go to these conferences and they, they need to know, you know, who's Zach, who's rock. Like these are the, fa- these are the co-founders of Squadcast yeah. and make friends with people, go out and, ha- you know, talk to people and, and have drinks with them. And, and you're doing sort of like the virtual equivalent by letting people come in, come in and, you know, eavesdrop on your conversation, so to speak about what it's like. And the fact that you put your, your, your numbers on bare metrics, I mean, you can't get more open than that. And it just speaks to like the quality of like who you are and, 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 like how genuine you are. And, and I think it's going it, it, to, you probably experience it, but it brings people to hear you and then say, yeah, like actually I, these are the, these are the guys that I want to host my show with. Not, mm-hmm. not, not, not this is the company, but these are the guys that I want to host my show. Yeah. I mean, that's the advantage. There's disadvantages too. Uh, and this whole thing could blow up in our face, right? Like maybe we're just giving, we're being way too open and 
all of our competitors are looking at us going, oh, I can't wait to crush these dudes. Um, but the benefit is podcasting is storytelling. Mm -hmm. Business is storytelling, especially now, because everybody is suspicious and everybody is, uh, you know, we, we know how to avoid the ads. We know how to block mm -hmm. them on our web browser. We know how to skip them. We know how to, you know, tune them out. And it's because the messages have seemed disingenuine. Yeah. And so the, and this isn't the only way to build a company. You can build a company, you can build a company completely anonymously, but I think right now it is a, an advantage. It's a, it's a strength. Mm -hmm. If you can leverage it properly to say, um, why don't you join us on our journey? And people get invested in the journey and then they start to write me emails like, you know, Justin, I, I've been listening to your show and I, I run my own company. And at first I was thinking, ah, yeah. But the more I listen to your show, the more I want a podcast. Well, that's exactly <laughs> what I want. Uh, and I just had another friend start a show at his work. What's it called? Ionic podcast, the Ionic podcast. And I am so excited for him starting this, this, this show, you know, yeah. is it Ionic? No, 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 wait. The other thing while you look for that was, which is, is, is a bit related is, um, someone you talked about updated their, I think it was the show notes or the newsletter where it says, take three seconds and help me grow my little business. Mm -hmm. and just kind of like adding that, that personal touch, like, Hey, you know, this is not just an anonymous person you're donating to. Like every little bit helps me grow this. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That was an example from, uh, Justin, I can't remember his last name, but he started a company called FOMO. Mm -hmm. And when they, they would, they needed reviews on the Shopify store and the line that they used that really helped them get more reviews was please help me grow my little business. Mm -hmm. And so just being honest, like yeah. transistors, not huge. I mean, you can see how many active customers we have. It's 222. Um, so that's how many in customers we have yeah. and the, you know, we're not a big show we're, I mean, we're not a big company yet. And Daniel had numbers, Daniel had estimated numbers of client of customers from, uh, the other podcast hosts, I think in that article as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that was really interesting to me. Uh, sorry, the, the show that Matt started was called bet on the web and, I'm rooting for him. And, you know, he had followed my work before and then he started the show with his employer. And that's exactly the kind of customer that I want to have. I want to have these people that are joining us because they believe in us, because, you know, they've been following the story. Uh, I'm going to do whatever I can to help them succeed. Um, yeah, so that's all really interesting to me. Um, just going back to that, Daniel's analysis. One thing that was interesting to me about that is that, wow, there's still a lot of room for uh, growth here. Like if, so we have 479 shows on our platform right now. And one of the benefits of transistors is that you can have unlimited shows, which is really interesting because as podcasters, we're always coming up with ideas. And mm. if there's that little friction of like, oh, I got to open up a new account, put a new card down, even if it's only five or $10, it's just, it just slows, slows down the, 
that that process, that idea from like idea to inception to launch like an, an MVP, right? To use mm-hmm. some SaaS terms, but just like the, you, that, that, and you make it that easy, which is great. Yeah, yeah. We have to figure out our download limits, but that the for most people, if they're starting a show out, getting a show to a thousand downloads per month is a big win. And to be honest, for most of our clients, they a lot of these folks don't need a lot of listeners to get results. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of folks that have shows that are 500 to 1,000 downloads a month and they are getting, you know, tons of great leads and it's, it's, it's doing everything they want it to do, right? Yeah, we have 479 shows. Not all of them are on iTunes. But if you look at Daniel's list, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there. Uh, some of the big players that have been around for a while only have about a thousand shows on iTunes right now, right? When you say you have shows that are not on iTunes, but that are hosting with you, they basically have not submitted the feed to Apple Podcasts then, right? That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so some of those are private podcasts, like CEOs that have a show where they're talking to their and that feature is live, the one where you you mentioned that you can have a password protected feed. That's right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's great. Yeah. And and some of these shows, you know, have not started yet. They have zero episodes. But my guess is a good chunk of them are on iTunes. And we just got started. Yeah. And we've definitely had people, you know, uh, come from other hosting platforms. But we've also had a lot of folks start shows for the first time. Yeah. So it just feels like the the space is still relatively small, like five hundred and fifty thousand some podcasts on iTunes yeah. total. It's up to six hundred thousand, I think people 600, are saying. Six hundred thousand so. still. Like if you how many WordPress blogs are there in the world? Like Yeah, that's the number they use. Rob Rob Walsh from Lipson mentions that a lot in, in a, one of his um talks, this idea of like how many versus blogs, it's like crazy, like not even close to yeah, and we might, penetration. and they are different. So we might not see the same kind of numbers, but it still feels like there's room to grow. And still, people are, a lot of folks are just discovering podcasts. Yeah. The other thing, sorry, before we go too far, because I, the other thing that made me feel like I could start a podcasting company now, which again, still might not work. I have no idea. <laughs> Don't put the, I'm, I'm a big believer in like, uh, like putting out intentions because I, I do them every morning after my meditation. So don't put that one out there. Just put the one out that's like, because the universe is listening. So you got to be like, oh, when, when we, when our company is so successful, we don't know what to do with it, you know, so. One thing my gut is telling me is I used to never hear normals talk about podcasts. Yeah, you mentioned that. So when I was at a coffee shop, no one's talking about podcasting. They're talking about what's new on Netflix. They're talking about the new Harry Potter book. When I started hearing people talk about the Tim Ferriss show, you know, I, I would turn my <laughs> head like yeah. just normal people in Vernon, British Columbia, mm-hmm. talking about the Tim Ferriss podcast in a coffee shop. That's so, what's going on here? And then I'd have a family reunion and my youngest sister would come up to me and go, this is just last year. She'd go, Justin, have you heard of podcasts? I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. So the 
the it seems to be that it's 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 actually like a younger generation is getting into it as well and you know they're, yeah. they're creating it because anchor obviously anchor is making it easy a lot of people went on soundcloud to begin and again it, there's something there that you've touched on this idea of low barrier to entry and i know the people in the the traditionals in the podcasting space the people who've been doing it like they snub their nose at it but i think they're not thinking about like why people are doing it and and naturally they're not going to be great sounding people are doing it on their iphones mm-hmm. but it's something that you've tapped into this idea of like i have an idea like and i want to kind of do it and i i want it to be a low barrier to testing yes yeah that part i'm uh i'm completely in favor of you know people starting a show on anchor like there's i've i send i send tons of people to anchor myself <laughs> You know, they'll, they'll come to me and they'll be like, hey, I really want to start a show about hockey and I really like the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I'll be like, okay, well, have you ever done a show before? No. Do you have any equipment? No. Well, start on Anchor. It's so easy. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, if you ever want it to be a business, come to Transistor. <laughs> <laughs> and Again, Anchor is going to be a competitor in this space too. But I think, yeah, giving people a space to try out ideas, I think it's great. And I, to tell you the truth, I'm, I'm, I'm more hopeful that the audience will increase. Mm-hmm. I think content is actually increasing faster than the audience. And we have this group of people that listen to a lot of podcasts who are kind of, they're kind of bearing the load for everybody else, right? Yeah. That worries me a little bit. But what encourages me is that I am having conversations with just normal people at the soccer field, you know, watching my kids. And, you know, uh, another dad says, you know, I've been listening to this podcast about World War One called Hardcore History. Mm. I'm like, okay, this is great. I want to hear more. <laughs> I want to have... I want to have more of this bubbling up and uh, that's how good ideas spread. That's how actually podcasts are going to spread is when dads are talking to other dads at the soccer field. Oh yeah. I'm listening to this thing. How do you listen to it? Well, you got to download this app. Okay. Or it's already on your iPhone. Okay. Then you just hit subscribe. You know, that's how these kinds of things spread. And that's I'm hoping more of that happens. I, if if there's an interesting idea that somebody got from a podcast and they're talking about it in a coffee shop, that's going to create more people who listen to podcasts. And yeah. that's really what everybody wants. We want more engaged listeners. And then it's our job. And again, I think, yeah, bar- low barrier to entry, get more people into it. Great. But there's only going to be a select few that crack the nut on creating something that people want to listen to. And if you are on the creator side, I think that's the piece. You've got to have that piece. Or be super niche. Like, you know, I I like to, I like to use some of these examples. I remember hearing early on, like there was a, a podcast called the coroner's corner the guy was a coroner and <laughs> and, he, and he listens to people there's a podcast for welders apparently because they're like super passive audience right they're just sitting there welding so someone created a podcast for them so think about these places where people have jobs where they're just like you know they can do their job as long as nah, with some headphones on and sure. you know there's there's people can i'm sure if you did some um research uh as the podcast listen based on the ip address at work versus like <laughs> mm-hmm. some of these like I, you know you can probably figure that out uh, yeah. or john could figure that out that would be interesting right like how people are consuming it 
how people are consuming them. Yeah. And I, again, even corner talk, even they, whoever's hosting that show has to be interesting enough that people are going to keep listening. Yeah, of course. That's my point. One of the things you and John talked about with this is this idea of transistor being mindful technology. Mm, yeah. That's another reason I wanted to do it. Can you talk a little bit about that? I had this moment the other day, because I go back and forth like anybody. I Some days I'm like, oh, I'm so excited about podcasting. And other days I'm like, ah, there's, this is not going anywhere. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I'm also kind of betting my life on this new business. And there's always this thought of, well, I hope it, I hope it makes it. Everyone wants to, it, their thing to make it, right? And I'm walking to my office and I'm listening to that episode I was just telling you about um, with Ira Glass and Alex Bloomberg. And there's, you know, it's a 30 minute walk. And there's like three moments where I laughed out loud or I almost cried in a way of just being just hearing these stories, like them telling stories in a way that you kind of don't get anywhere else. I'm walking, I'm not looking at a screen, I'm in the sun, I'm getting exercise, I'm headed to work, but along for the ride is Ira Glass and Alex Bloomberg. Mm -hmm. And I just had three moments of kind of, of joy where, you know, in their storytelling, I was like, oh, that is such a great moment. And there's just very few mediums, especially digital mediums that are like that. Yeah. So many of our, you know, digital technology wants to suck us in and get us addicted and, you know, wants our eyeballs on the screen uh, they want to capture our attention and monetize it and keep it forever. They want us to be addicted to, you know, like Facebook wants us to be addicted. Yeah. And certainly there are people who are addicted to podcasts. I'm not saying that's not true, but the chances of that happening are just so much lower because it's built into the technology is uh, this, it's just different it's a mindful technology. It's a technology that does that allows you to use it while you're doing other things. That yeah. in of itself is completely unique. I, I tweeted the other day. Uh, I said, for me, folding laundry time is podcasting time. Where yeah, exactly. do you listen to podcasts? And I tweet all the time. And I couldn't believe how many people replied. This idea that, you know, they're they're washing the dishes. They're walking their dog. Some people listen in the shower. I don't know how they do that. Um, you know, they on in road, traffic, right? In traffic, road trips. This is there's this this technology that allows people to hear stories, allows people to learn something new, allows people to engage with hosts and really kind of build a relationship with the hosts. And it just felt different than so much of the other startups and tech companies that just want to abuse and use uh, the consumer. 
Yeah. And so I, that part attracted to me too. I, I think, uh, I, I don't think podcasting is going to be as big as blogging. Um, I could be wrong, but I just don't think it is. Yeah. There's a, there's a, a technology hurdle learning curve. People need to be consistent. You can't just like, you know, you can get a blog up, you know, in, in a couple of minutes, you can, you, you can get a podcast up in a couple of minutes, but it's not going to really yeah. sound that good, but it also speaks to what people are comfortable with, what medium, like some people love writers love to write, right. You mm -hmm. know, James clear is probably better as a writer than as a podcaster. Right. Or, or I don't know, maybe not. <laughs> I, don't know. I, I think, the, I think writers actually make great podcasts. Podcasting. But sometimes they don't like talking, you know, just they don't like talking. Some, sometimes they make terrible yeah. podcasters too, you're right. <laughs> and they don't, they're not very good, you know, they're, they're introverts, you know, they, they just like being in their, in their cabin and writing away and they, they can write prolifically. Yes. But, uh, you know, some like Tim, obviously Ferris made, made the jump because he was a great blogger and uh, he also became a great podcaster. But yeah. some people just like talking and some people like video, some newer generation digital natives, right? They're just like, oh, I can do a, a, a FaceTime without even thinking about it, you know, and, mm -hmm. and they hammer that content out. So I think for, I mean, for me, I like talking and I like the nature of the conversation, even though we're now using video, but it's just, I've learned how to become a better conversationalist. I I'm I, like fascinated by interview shows. Now I listen to like all of them and Terry gross was at podcast movement and everyone was just like, you know, in all like her and mm -hmm. just, every, just, I'm a really like a student of the, of the craft now, just like how you, how like pacing and be, being comfortable with silence and yeah. just asking open-ended questions and all this sort of stuff, which is really, really fascinating. And it's one of those things like it'll take a lifetime to master. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But it, it is to go back to your, the, the original question, there is something very unique about it. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And in some ways, I hope it doesn't get as big as YouTube. Because uh, I think lots of what goes on in YouTube is gross. I don't want to yeah. have anything to do with that. Yeah. I want, uh, I want technology that doesn't, you know, require me to be addicted for there to be some sort of value, right? So I can listen to a podcast when I have time. What's actually interesting is that because I am so addicted to other platforms. It's very difficult for me to listen to a podcast if I'm not doing something else. Like if I have access mm -hmm. to the screen yeah, yeah. or my computer, I'm not going to listen to a podcast. And if I am, I'm going to be like doing other stuff. I'm going to miss half the show. Yeah, I've tried it. You, you can't do it. <laughs> no. And where is podcasting best? It's best when you're doing something like driving or dishes or whatever. But the, the words have your complete attention. Mm -hmm. And so, ah. I, just to be involved in that space, I hope it, it's big enough that it can support, you know, a bunch of people's families um, and a bunch more people's families. Mm -hmm. But I don't want it to be so big that that part gets ruined. I, I want the some of the purity to stay. And, you know, any technology that encourages people to take more walks with their dogs, <laughs> to me, that's a good thing. So That is a good thing. This is interesting experiment for me because th these conversations usually go an hour, but this is literally like, a, like I said, the sweet spot of my, <laughs> of scratching my, my itch. So yeah. we'll, we'll see if I split it up or I just keep it Joe Rogan style. Just let's go, <laughs> let's go. Um, so you're building a business too. Let's not lose sight of like, you know, having this great conversation about podcasting, but like, in, you're also building a, a new company and it's something that you've been interested in for a while. You've worked at a couple of startups as well. You've, as you've mentioned on the show. So can you talk a little bit about 
the entrepreneurial gene like do, do you remember when it when it, where it came from where it started uh oh yeah i mean i've always liked the idea of business uh there's a an old show on cbc in canada that came on after the 11 o'clock news called venture it was kind of a show about entrepreneurship before entrepreneurship was cool before anyone was talking mm -hmm. about it and so it'd be people like you know a guy was starting a uh, a potato chip company and it was like talk he it showed how he went and got 10 credit cards and he's like putting all this debt on these credit cards and trying to make it work and you know the ups and downs he he tries to get a deal with the distributor and it falls through and i just thought i just loved that show as a 10 11 year old kid that's interesting my dad was a principal and my mom was a teacher but they definitely had entrepreneurial instincts and you know they would uh they would pass some of those on to me uh, like my dad would say when i got into computers he would say what if you uh pitched you know my office on coming in and networking all of our machines that's right you talked about this this is a great story <laughs> yeah and so which is so funny like back this is like the 90s so this is really pre-internet but you know think of a computer lab and you have to network all these like I couldn't believe that they even let me there. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. I, you're trusting all of this expensive equipment with this 12 year old kid who <laughs> just shows up. <laughs> and I just kind of figured it out. And, you know, uh, and then I, and I charged them money for it. Yeah. And so that, was, that must have been a good feeling the first time you got paid for something like that. Oh, yeah. But it, it, it was almost not surprising because it had been built in, you know, uh, my dad would hire us all the time to do jobs. Yeah, it, it was almost like, okay, well, this is kind of what we do. Yeah. One thing I like about this new book James Clear has, Atomic Habits, is this idea that every action you take is a vote for the kind of person you're going to become. Hmm. And I like it because, you know, if you get up and go running once, you probably wouldn't call yourself a runner. Yeah. But if you get up today and you run and you get up tomorrow and you run and then you get up the next day and you run, if you do that for 30 days straight and then you go to a party and someone notices that you have, you know, your running shoes on and they go, oh, are you a runner? You might say, oh, yeah, I guess I am a runner. I've been doing it for 30 days. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, entrepreneurship is like that. Every time you sell something, every time you learn some marketing or uh, build something and see if people want it. Every time you learn how to research people so you don't build something people don't want, all these little actions you take end up becoming votes for you calling yourself an entrepreneur. And, you know, maybe for me that started earlier on, but, you know, that's something that I think you could do right now too. Yeah, the, there's lots of evidence in, the, in my past that would say, man, I've always been interested in business. I don't know if there's a lot of evidence yet that I'm a good entrepreneur. We still have to, I think, I think there's still, you know, I've got lots, lots of space to grow there. Well, I think what, what, what's the, I mean, you, you had so many conversations with people that were creating startups and, mm -hmm. you know, the majority of them did not succeed to the level that the founder probably would have liked. Mm -hmm. I think, the definition of an entrepreneur depends who you ask, but it's someone who's willing to try, willing to be okay with failure. 
Mm-hmm. And what I what I've learned as an entrepreneur is like I got to learn how to get up quicker from my failures as opposed to just wallowing in them and just be like, okay, that didn't work. That didn't yeah. work. I spent a couple thousand. I I tried speaking of microconf. I tried to do a conference around productivity, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, look at microconf, and I was like, this is the stupidest name ever, by the way. It was productivity, so I called it prodconf, and it's P R D C N F. It was like I don't know, <laughs> and I was like, and I was talking to Mike Vardy at the time, yeah. and I was like, oh, will you come speak? And I think I convinced him. I convinced. I think Jordan Harbinger, because I just interviewed him on the show to come on to talk something. Like I had like five or six people who were going to speak. I couldn't sell one ticket. I spent like a couple thousand bucks on Facebook ads. Yeah. But it was just just something that you just, all right, I tried that. That didn't work. And and I remember, I think um, I came across your, your name now that I think about it. Do you know Dynamite Circle? Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I know of them. Yeah. So that was like, I don't know if that's still around, but that was one of my first little like quote unquote masterminds of people that were like living the nomadic life. And I had people like Jesse Waller that I met there and uh, Chris Chigi, who's doing mobile apps and uh-huh. yeah, and just those like really great guys. And so they were some of my earlier guests. And But I got introduced to this whole world and that's how I heard about James Schramko and and just really cool people doing interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was just, just fascinating, this idea of like just trying different things. And I... I at one point, someone, I think Dan on the on one of the shows, um, Tropical MBA, I think he said something about about pages suck. And I was like, well, I'm going to start a, a business called, I called it aboutification. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'll write your about page for a hundred bucks. <laughs> this is literally like, you know, when you're starting, you just try anything. You just try. I was just like, mm-hmm. I want to try I have a business and I, and I wrote like three and I'm like, there's no way this is scalable. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, there's, it, you're right. Like you, you kind of learn as you go and I think there's a way to learn faster. Yeah. And some of these things do get more difficult as you get older and as you have more responsibilities. So, you know, I, I have kids, I have a mortgage mm-hmm. My capacity for risk and my capacity for flexibility and my capacity for time is severely restricted. Mm-hmm. You know, that part of that helps for sure. Yeah. But I think the the key is, okay, how can I make really good decisions? How can I create votes for the kind of person I want to become? Mm-hmm. And so this idea of having habits and, you know, process for discovering a good idea and then moving off that idea if it's not any good. And I just, I've been documenting my whole startup experience on my blog, justinjackson.ca. Go to justinjackson.ca slash bootstrap. You kind of get all of these very kind of raw posts about, oh man, this is hard. And the, in this last round, what I'm questioning is, can you build, can you bootstrap a startup on the side? And one of the questions I had was, is Transistor worth doing? Is it worth pursuing? And I think in the past, I would have held on a little bit too tightly to the idea. It's emotional. I want to protect it. It's part, you yeah. know, this is, uh, I'm attached to it. But if you listen to, you know, folks like, Richard Branson, one of the things he says is, you know, he'll try something out, but if it doesn't feel right, he will just walk away. Doesn't he say kill your darlings or something? Kill your darlings. It's a, I mean, that's a, uh, it's, that's in respect to writing, but it applies to business too. You, you want to, um, you can't hold it so tightly that you just keep investing in something that's not working. Yeah. 
And so one of the things I did was I had, you know, some founders I trust look at our numbers and tell me what they thought. And they said, okay, well, I mean, they said, first of all, it's not like you've hit a home run right off the bat here. This, these numbers are, these numbers look decent, but they're not like a home run, but they're definitely not. There's nothing here that would say you shouldn't pursue this. It seems like a business worth pursuing, but I had to open myself up to that and be willing to, you know, we're basically a year in and I'm thinking about what I want to do in 2019. And this is a good time to evaluate that. And so I think that's part of it is opening yourself up and going, okay, Hey, you know, this, this applies to podcasting too, by the way, is, you know, do it for a year and then evaluate it yourself. Look at the fundamentals. Is this going to get you what you want? Mm -hmm. And, you know, for transistor, my kind of bare minimum goal is that eventually this makes a full-time living for John and I, well, that means it's probably going to need to be doing about $30,000 in revenue a month. Okay. Well, can we get there? That's the question I'm asking. Are the fundamentals here that would say this is going to work? Yeah, I think that's important. And entrepreneurship has become a little bit too much of a a lifestyle thing. And yeah, it's uh, like a cool, it's like a cool thing to do. Like I, again, I I know I know a lot of people that have a love hate relationship with Gary Vee, but you know sometimes he's just like the the kick in the butt that you need, and he's like it, it's become fashionable now to call yourself an entrepreneur mm-hmm. without without having built anything anything successful. Like people want to be like I'm founder of this, CEO of this. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And being brutally honest with yourself is tricky. Again, you can't do it too early because then you'll never give yourself a chance to to explore and grow and 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 uh, get better taste and mm-hmm. you know improve all those fundamentals. But eventually you have to look at something and go, okay, do I want more of this? Mm-hmm. And if not, then you gotta, you know, mix it up. Yeah, but uh, if you're not asking the question, ooh, it's gonna be it's gonna be <laughs> tricky. So I, yeah, I and I I don't even know the I I definitely so I before I said I'm just breaking dreams here. Uh, before <laughs> I said I don't think everyone should be a podcaster. Uh, I think everyone should love podcasts. I don't think everyone should be a podcaster in the same way that I think everyone should love heavy metal, but I don't think everyone should be a rock star, right? Yeah. yeah. But, I love heavy metal, but I shouldn't be, I shouldn't now try to become a heavy metal rock star. That's just not going to happen for me in the same start a heavy metal podcast. I could start a heavy metal podcast. (laughs) I could do that. I don't think everyone should be an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship is really hard. It's, it's, it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. That's exactly what I say. I tell people that exact line word for word. It's the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my entire life. And it's hard for the people that are really good at it. And so, I mean, I think if you want to do it, then you should. Or And feel free to try it. I mean, there's yeah. lots of folks that didn't think they were cut out to be entrepreneurs and did it and either got lucky or, you know, just hit the right thing at the right time or just ended up being good at it. That's, that's possible too. I'm not saying people shouldn't try. 
But yeah. I definitely don't think everyone should be an entrepreneur. I I think it's not. Yeah, not not everyone's cut out for it. I mean, you have to be. You've got to have like resilience, thick skin, like you know, like this idea of being comfortable with failure, like learning to become a salesperson, like business development, like as an as a founder, like for me with an agency, like I I need to be doing biz dev like 50, 60, 70 percent of my time, like mm -hmm. literally getting getting working on sales. Like, how do I get more clients? How do I get more clients? Like, and and yeah. I can have the best infrastructure and the best team, the best project managers in the world. But if we don't have any clients, it doesn't mean shit. Like, yeah, exactly. we're not gonna have any business. So. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you can learn all of these things. Yeah. You can learn how to sell. You can learn how to make money. It does require practice. I think everybody should make things. I think that's mm -hmm. a, th that is true. I think, yeah. you know, you should write a blog, you should create a podcast, you should create a little app on the side, you should record your own music. Because I, I do think there's something about having your own thing that you put out into the world that is just your own. Yeah. Uh, I also think people should explore ideas of making money. So, you know, uh, make, a, make a song mm -hmm. and then see if you can get paid for it somehow. Like do a live performance and see if people will pay you $5 to watch you play live. I think yeah. all of that is very valuable. And having some sort of independent income can be an amazing feeling for just your life, like going to work and and looking at your boss and going, okay, you, I mean, I'm working for you, but I've also carved out this little piece of the world for myself that you can never take away from me. Yeah, I think that could be really valuable, but <laughs> I don't, I don't know if everybody should should try to do that full time. I think people, some of those people that are just the way they're wired is they're they like the the nine to five they like a direct deposit into their account every yeah. two weeks <laughs> you know? and yes. i can tell you that the minute that that didn't happen for me it was just like okay this is real like i gotta make something happen here yeah and and some people like the camaraderie of like their their fellow employees and you know just having that world but mm -hmm. it, it was jarring like leaving corporate america and then going into the entrepreneurial world and i'm like i don't have any entrepreneurial friends like mm -hmm. i don't have anyone i don't know anyone that build a successful business and it was like jim Rohn is a i, I quote him a lot here he, he kind of like mentored uh, tony robbins a bit but he says you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with yeah and i was like what's my entrepreneurial circle it, it didn't exist and mm -hmm. so I, and I had a couple of friends who dabbled in like trying to start like a promotions company or something but nothing major and, and you know now i'm i'm knee deep in it right now and it's just these are some of the, my best friends and some of my Im important sounding boards that i have right now i'm going to be a little bit uh countercultural and say mm -hmm. i think that is true that you know the people you spend time with matter yeah it can become a little just like podcasting can become a little bit of you know um yeah when, when clicky but also i'm looking for a a nicer word than incestuous. Um, I can't <laughs> think of the perfect word. That's a That's perfect fine. one. But yeah. you know, these communities can become like that. They start to fester after a while. You know, you can get too comfortable. You can, and so I've been pushing myself to also try to get hang out with people that you know might not be entrepreneurs, but you know are just incredible thinkers. Incredible. Yeah. You know, there, there's ways to get outside of the, the groups you're in. I, I think that the wisdom in 
in in Roan's quote is like, if you're hanging out with some folks that are real downers, that's yeah. that's gonna bring you down. It's just yeah. there's no and if all your friends smoke pot and drink and yeah, yeah. you know, if that's all they do and play Nintendo, um then and you really want to go out and mm -hmm. make something, then yeah, get some different friends. But that doesn't necessarily mean you just need to be hanging out with other entrepreneurs or other podcasters. That might mean, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example of this because I, I keep meeting people that are just so fascinating that aren't in my normal circle at all, but I've learned so much from them. A friend of mine, Jason Gaynard, he, he started out doing this thing called Mastermind Dinners. Now he's got a conference called Mastermind Talks, but he would just bring people together like that when he was in the city and just kind of have this kind of rough framework for how to start the conversation off but they're just com people in completely different parts of business and th that's really interesting too i think it speaks to your point having people who have completely different walks of life but have had success you know mm -hmm. have them start talking is, is, those are really interesting conversations to eavesdrop in them you know or be a part of oh yeah yeah totally yeah the the yeah. again it, it, everything just seems to be like start at okay what do i want and then what are some small steps I can take that will help me get more of what I want? Yeah. And the they don't have to be big things either. So yeah, initially I was like, I just want to meet other product people. And so mm -hmm. reaching out to Kyle Fox in my own town was the first step that ended up, the cascading steps ended up creating something bigger. You know, it, it takes, you have to start with what, what do I want? And then you have yeah. to take just like a step today and a step tomorrow. And if you take a step that doesn't work, change, you know, go, go a different way and try that out. Uh, always be evaluating, you know, every six months or a year go, okay, am I getting closer to what I want? Cause mm -hmm. sometimes people will go, what I really want, all my problems will be solved. If I can just start, if I can just become an entrepreneur, yeah. and all your problems are going to start <laughs> yeah there, it might not be getting you what you want like ultimately uh, yeah. you know again it might not nothing really gets you what you want right away you've got to go through some pain yeah. but the that that questioning of you know okay is this leading me in the right direction mm -hmm. it's so helpful to to ask those questions and to be kind of honest about it like i i've almost stopped saying like I, I do like business and I like entrepreneurship. I think I really do like those things. But ultimately, what do I want? And it's, I want the freedom and flexibility to design my life, to design a good mm -hmm. life. Yeah. And that could happen through business. And I like business, but that might not be the only path. There might be other ways to accomplish that. So... I try not to get too stuck in the the form of the thing. I, I'd rather look at what is it that I want to accomplish in my life from this thing. And just like, you know, if a car doesn't bring you where you want it to go, where you want to go, you're not going to get in the car. Uh, it, it feels like that. So podcasting might get you where you want to go, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe that's not the path for you. Maybe it will not get you what you want. 
but if you are interested in, in that as a path, then by all means, transistor.fm is the place to, to host your show. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'm glad I, I, I passed you that 20 before we started talking. <laughs> a couple of co questions as we wrap up. Um, what's something you've changed your mind about recently? Oh, my gosh. Um, taking investment. Hmm. Just I was very anti, very anti investment. And now I'm considering it. You had a good conversation with the folks from Ernest as well. I like yeah. that one. Yeah, their their model is the most appealing yeah, version like of it. startup investment that I've seen. Obviously, we'll have to find that link and link to the episode and link to the, the service and put that in the, in the show notes as well. Yeah. Uh, um, what's the most misunderstood thing about you? I mean, people misunderstand things about me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's just one thing about being a known person. Mm -hmm. I'm not incredibly known, but like a micro celebrity, like, well, maybe not even that, but that once you're in the public sphere, so if you have a podcast or you have a blog or you tweet or anything and a meaningful group of people start to listen, people are going to misunderstand you all the time. <laughs> that's, that's kind of the, it comes with the territory. Be prepared to be <laughs> misunderstood. So, yeah. I, I mean, there's, you know, I wrote things three years ago that I definitely do not believe um, anymore. But uh, people only remember that stuff from three years ago. Yeah. So there's there's lots of stuff, but I'm I'm <laughs> I'm learning to be okay with that for sure. It's so funny because it's, you're, I'm here. I've heard two stories in the news lately of someone, some guy. The guy just won the the Heisman Trophy, and the and Kevin mm -hmm. Hart are getting blasted for some like. You know, they're insensitive comments, I think, like homophobic comments, and they, but they made them like 10 years ago. And, and we all grow and we, we, we've done stupid stuff like when we were younger. But now it's there's like this this trail, this digital trail of your life, which is crazy because thank and a lot and a lot of people our age say, thank God Facebook wasn't or Twitter wasn't around when I was younger. Yeah, thank goodness. What, yeah, what would have been coming out of my mouth? Yeah, totally. I, again, I think we should be mindful of what we yeah. say, but there's, you know, there's going to be if you are a public personality at all, yeah. people are going to form opinions about you that you might not think are an accurate <laughs> reflection of you. And, you know, it's, that that's just part of it. What's the best place for folks to track you down online? I mean, definitely go to transistor.fm. I'm trying to, uh, I you know, we really want to help people get into podcasting. So yeah. if uh, if you're in that game and you want to check us out, go there. Uh, justinjackson.ca is my personal blog. And I've been writing a ton on it lately. And I have a newsletter that I send every Saturday morning that you can drink with your coffee. That is about entrepreneurship, bootstrapping, kind of just life, um, mm -hmm. but very kind of focused on building a business. And so if that's your game, that's a good place. Well, Justin, this is... Uh... I feel like this is it's so funny that you were at that you were on stage for, for this. This is literally bringing everything full circle. So it's I, I love I love this idea of cycles and and bringing back stuff. So this is it just stands to reason that this would be a longer episode because it's part of my origin story too. And like mm -hmm. I, there's, there's no way that I could have like uh, remembered. Uh, I didn't remember that you were on on that panel as well. But it's just it's so great because I, I mean I know Chase I know uh, Mike. Um, mm -hmm. So it's just been that's now it feels like nice. It's like an honor to have you have come on and just kind of have that be another 
closing point in the, in the history of Podcast Junkie. So it's pretty cool. So thanks for taking the time and, and thanks for doing what you do. Oh, yeah, I know. This has been great. And actually, really, and it is good. I, I want to connect with more people in podcasting and podcasting culture. So, yeah. you know, I, I value this connection that we've created <laughs> right now. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to follow up and have tons of questions for you later. <laughs> yeah, by all means. So thanks again to Justin for coming on the show. It was uh, a long conversation, so I just want to thank you for sitting through it. I think you'll, you, if you're in, into the podcasting industry, there's a lot of uh, nuggets there. Full show notes available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 186. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Focusrite, and their awesome line of gear, specifically the Scarlet 2i2, one of my go-to uh, sound cards that I use on a regular basis. Tune in next week for my conversation with Laura Peterson. Laura and I had the opportunity to hang out at Ron's Vaz's We Are podcast event in Australia. And um, as always, when I get to have uh, some good conversations with folks in person, I just realize that it's going to be a good conversation on the podcast. And so she's the creator of Copy That Pops. We talk about all things copywriting, podcasting, um, and how we connected at the conference. So that's going to be a fun one with Laura. So stay tuned for that. 187 next week. In case you waited this long, our retention hashtag is going to be TransistorJustin, one word, and you can tag Justin at M-I-Justin, so that's the letter M as in Mary, I as in Internet, Justin, clever use of the the lettering there for Justin, so it's M-I-Justin, that's his Twitter handle, and you can tag us at podcast underscore junkies. Thank you so much for everything you do to support the show. Uh, I love the support and the feedback you guys are providing. Continue to recommend the show to friends. It is much appreciated. Talk to you soon.